Good morning, good morning. How are you guys? Are you well? Gee. Between races, every five seconds, every second Sunday, and comrades, and this thing and that thing, it is really good to see you all. So, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians, we're there. Irresistible church. This port city church that spread the love of Jesus through a whole region is what we're in. We're in part four now. Jan preached last weekend around the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit, which was wonderful. I continue in that this weekend. And I want to talk about the fruit of the gospel preaching. What happens when you preach the gospel? What is the fruit of preaching the gospel? Oh, my champion. Yo, 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 check. Check there. Let's give him a hand. There's my man. There's my man. Yes, that man is an incredible servant. Just... um. What happens when you preach the gospel? So Paul went into the city. It says he preached in the synagogues for three weekends. They say that it could be, some people say it was literally three weekends, so three weeks. But it's unlikely that it was three weeks. It's probably more like two months or five months. He just preached in the synagogue three weekends, three times. But then he was evangelizing and and ministering in the marketplace. And it says a whole bunch of people got saved, uh, God-fearing Jews and um, some uh, influential woman got saved. And and God started to do something as he preached the gospel. But whether it was three weekends or whether it was two months or three months, it was a very short space of time. So imagine, imagine us now going in, going into a city or going into a town, preaching the gospel for three months and then having to leave there and the church being established. Remember, they didn't buy a building. You don't, buy, you don't plant a building and hope a church will grow. You preach the gospel that people's lives get impacted and a church forms. A building doesn't form, a church forms. A community of people begin to form. That community of people begin to learn together and to care for each other and to begin to work together and the gospel begins to ring out from them, which is what happened in Thessalonica. And um, we spoke the last time I spoke there and I spoke about how they they preached this gospel. It says the gospel didn't just come with words, but it came with, with, uh, with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction or with full assurance And all gospel preaching has those four characteristics in it, or should have those four characteristics. It should come with truth, the truth about Jesus and what he's done. That Jesus died, that Jesus was buried, and that Jesus was risen again, 1 Corinthians 15 gospel. Paul says in Timothy, this is my gospel, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again and was the son of David. It's it's the simple truth that Jesus is the center of the gospel, of the good news. And we've got to put our faith in this Jesus. So it comes with truth and it comes with conviction and it comes with power and it comes with an example. He says, we've lived amongst you. Going to read it now. We lived amongst you. So it comes with all these four characteristics, truth, conviction, power, the power of the Holy Spirit and example. And so the gospel gets preached amongst us in these ways. And this is how we are meant to preach the gospel. To the point that Paul says it came with such conviction. Paul said it was our gospel. In other places he talks about my gospel. He so owned the gospel it was like his gospel. He, he preached it with such assurance. And such he was so confident that the gospel would bear fruit. 
and it bore much fruit in this city. And he preached it with the Holy Spirit. And I said this, that only by the power of the Holy Spirit can the word penetrate people's minds and hearts and consciences. You can talk about Jesus, you can talk about the scriptures, but unless the power of God, unless the Holy Spirit puts something in people and moves and anoints us, actually it never really penetrates the heart. And so we've got to trust God for the anointing of God, for the power of the Holy Spirit, that when we speak to people, when we engage with people, that the power of God is with them, with us, so that the gospel can, be, can penetrate the hearts of people. But what is the fruit of this gospel that was preached? What is the fruit? So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 through to verse 10. This is what it says. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. There's, that's how the gospel came. Those two verses, verse four and five. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia and Achaia, remember, is a whole region. It's like a whole province. It's like God does something here and the whole of KZN gets to know about it. That's what he's talking about here. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. What God did amongst these people was so profound and it was so, it was so impactful. It, was, it, it, it did something in them that started to ring out. It started to become known everywhere. There was a, there was a fire that was set in light in their hearts. Remember, there was, no, there was no social media, there was no radios, there was the way that this thing got known everywhere, all over the place, was through people. It wasn't through a message, it wasn't through a medium of radio waves. It was through people whose lives had been impacted and changed. Wherever they went, wherever they spoke, suddenly the message of faith was going all over the place. They were on fire for God. And that fire was spreading right through the whole province. The Lord's message rang out. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. It's unbelievable. We don't have to say what's happened. Because actually the reports are coming back about what happened. We don't have to describe what happened. Others are telling us what happened because of the impact in your lives. They tell how you turn from God, from turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for, the son, for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So how did this gospel, what did this gospel produce? 
The first few verses that we read hold the key to this. This is what he says. We thank God for all of you. Can continue mentioning you in our prayers. Remember, God, remember, remember you before God our and Father. Your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope. You see, what happened here was, was something that completely reorientated their lives when the gospel was preached. It was like they got a new operating system in their hearts. They went from PC to Apple, finally. Everything started working, finally. It's like, like the new operating system came into their hearts and, and suddenly these words faith, love, and hope sprung up into their lives. What's incredible to think of is what preaching the gospel didn't do in their lives. So it, it kind of, it, I'm going to get to that now, but, but think of this. Paul goes in there, preaches the message of Jesus. Faith stirs in their heart. Love begins to bubble up into their being. And suddenly there's hope for the future. This was by no means a perfect community. Because in the rest of the letter, there's a whole lot of stuff that's wrong with this community. You see, God is not, Paul is, is thanking God for them. Paul is saying, I actually want to thank God for what he's done in you. He's reorientated you. He's given you this new operating system to operate from. Listen, it's not all the programs are not working properly yet. You've got sexual issues that I need to speak into. You've got some deep theological issues which you don't fully understand yet. I need to clarify some things. You're being persecuted and you need to know God is for you still, not against you. I need to, I need to help you unpack that. Just because you have faith and you have love, uh, love and hope in your heart because the gospel's reorientated you doesn't mean you're gonna go, not go through hardship. You have to be taught about those things. So he teaches them. He teaches them about the more and mores. Living to please God. He has to teach them, this is how you please God. This is how you live to please God. This is how you love each other more. I need you loving each other, but you need to do this more and more. This is how you work diligently. He has to teach them that actually being idle is not good. That you've actually got to work hard so that you can be a blessing to others. You see, all these things, are they didn't get this. They had to be taught this after the gospel. But what the gospel put in them was a new operating system that all those programs could then be unlocked inside because it has a context in which they could learn from. That to be taught to honor those over them in the Lord, those that were leading them. That to be taught right community life. They still had to be taught all these things in God. But what Paul recognizes amongst them is faith, love, and hope. And he commends them for it. He says, the gospel is real amongst you. The gospel has started its work amongst you. I can see it in the faith, in the love, and the hope in your hearts. 
You see, Paul commends them because he's not looking for perfection. He can see their potential in the gospel. And so I want to ask us this question this morning. For those of us that have never heard the gospel, I want to tell you that when you hear the gospel and when you give your life to Jesus, when you submit everything of who you are, when you surrender to Jesus, when you surrender to the Lord of Lords, Lord Jesus Christ, when you surrender to him, your operating system completely changes. It takes time for the computer to redo its thing and your mind to recompute how to live this life, but it completely reorientates who you are and how you think. And these three words, faith, love, and hope, are the key of that operating system of how it works. And for those of us that have known Jesus and walked with Jesus for a long time, I want to remind you of the key operating words of faith, love, and hope. Because every believer, every Christian is a believer, a lover, and a hoper. And as soon as you don't have one of those things, and can I just say, it is all three of those things. You don't major on one at the expense of the others. Because it skews you. You can go down a social justice role and say, I'm in love. That means nothing if you haven't got faith and you haven't got hope in Jesus. Faith in Jesus and hope for Jesus' future return. It's all of those three things that reorientate them. And so their decision-making processes, the way they live, the way they act, the fire that's inside of them comes through those three words, faith, hope, and love. Two things about, about faith, love, and hope. One, all three of those things are outward facing. The first thing they get when they get the gospel, it's not about you. The gospel's not about you, it's about Jesus. As soon as the gospel becomes about you, it becomes about me and my comforts and my convenience, we lose the gospel. We lose sight of the work that Jesus has done and the potential that he has got to do in me what he can do in me for his purpose. You see, each of those things is outward facing. Faith is directed towards Jesus, towards God. Love is towards others. Hope is towards a future in Christ. See, the operating system that a believer has is outward focused. It's faith in God. It's love towards others and God. And it's a future in God. It's a hope in a future. But it's not just outward facing, it's also productive. Because it's working faith. And it's laboring love. And it's enduring hope. You see that? This is the operating system we have in Christ, friends. I tell you, friends, I've met this week at the memorial service some friends that I haven't seen for years. They, no, they don't, no longer have faith in Jesus. 
I was inspired by them when I was young in the Lord. I think, Lord, like something's, like a virus has got into the operating system. Offense, disappointment, hurt, faith out the window, love out the window, hope out the window. And what have you got? Nothing. I spent time yesterday with Carol. For those that know Dickie and Carol, Dickie passed away in the early hours of Saturday morning. Carol's here. I saw her here earlier. A faithful man. You were sick for a number of months. A faithful man. In the hospital, believing, hopeful, full of faith, full of love, full of hope. You've got to right, know right now, Dick sits before the Father in the presence of Jesus in glory. Sheena, the same. Friends, I want to remind you this morning about your faith and your love and your hope. It's the basis of your new operating system in Christ. Don't ever move away from that. Faith works. I remember coming to Glenridge as a, as a young 26 or 27 year old. I was pew warming for years. I told you this problem. I had a, I had a, um, I had a drinking problem, problem with a hockey. I had a drinking thing with a hockey problem <laughs> on a Sunday morning. That's what I did. I played hockey on a, for clubs. And then Jesus got hold of me. Faith, love, and hope. Suddenly, as you start doing things that I would never normally have done. See, it's the work of faith. That's what it is. It's the work of faith. Your faith begins to put legs to it. You start thinking and doing things that you think, oh, geez, giving money. Why would I want to do that? My sister and brother-in-law used to be missionaries in Romania. And I used to say to her, no, we'll tithe and we'll give money when we feel like it. Because they used to talk to us. My mom used to talk to me about tithing. She gave me a book on tithing. You know what the problem is? You never feel like it. It's very convenient. Well, I just don't put it on me, obligation. I just don't feel like it. Now you see, faith, love, and hope comes with rhythms. It comes with grace. It comes with, with disciplines. It comes with training. And so you exercise this faith and you put work to it and begins to produce. See, not only are these things outward facing, but they're productive. But it's not just, you see, faith that works is one thing. But what about love that is able to labor? See, the word labor there is different to the word work. It's this word labor there, it's, it's hard work over a long period of time. That's the difficult dif different difference there. It's, it's, it's the sense of, of you've got to do these things. You've got to 
You've got to keep moving forward, but it's, it's toiling, it's difficult, and you just keep going. That's why it's called, we say, a labor of love. That's where it comes from. The English phrase, a labor of love. In those early days, I found it much easier to give money than to help people on a long-term basis. You give, boom, there we go, done. But to help people all the time, to open up, open up your home every, every week, to have home group in your home, to, to make a, a priority for prayer meeting every week, to, to do these things every week, labors of love. And I didn't feel like it and I didn't want, but labors of love. The gospel reorientates us, friends. I remember we had uh, an opportunity. There's some people that used to work at um, and live at Challenge, which was a, a place where people that had disabilities, mental disabilities, worked. And they used to come to Glenridge. And the call went out, these people need a, a, a lift every Sunday. Now listen, remember, I'm, I've got, I'm a drinker with a hockey problem, eh? so I'm, I'm coming from that. And, but the gospel is like just, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll pick them up. And remember, it's not on my way. This was like my house in Glenwood to Sherwood to the DLI Hall. So it's not like it's on the way. It's like miles out your way. It's like three times the distance. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful, you know. Went, picked them up, take them home. Now, the problem is, it's easy to do week one. But in month sixth, not so easy. And he commends them, not just for their work of faith, but for their labor of love. Where you don't give up. I want to tell you, friends, your operating system is not to give up. You don't give up on anything. You don't give up. Because you love. Your love never gives up. Love never fails. Love always perseveres. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. And he talks about hope, enduring hope steadfast hope the ESV says he says he's got this hope and this hope friends we know a little bit down in the, in the down the verse he talks about waiting for the return of Jesus this hope is because we're waiting for the return of Jesus we have hope because Jesus is going to make this all new one day you see this hope is because we don't live on we don't live with this planet this temporal space only in our minds we live with eternity in our hearts. The life we live for 80 years has eternal consequences. We, don't, we, we kind of can't really compute what that looks like. 80 years fiends, is a lifetime. It's like a lifetime, Stan. What do you mean? It's a lifetime of pain and a lifetime compared to eternity, friends. Compared to eternity, a lifetime is nothing. And he says, I've got this hope as we anticipate Christ's return. And we endure and we persevere and we don't give up and we keep fighting for it and we become prisoners of hope. 
and you see the preaching of the gospel for Paul, this is what it produced in them. And he commends them for their faith, their love, and their hope. How's your faith, your love, and your hope? Friends, do do you make decisions with Jesus in mind, or do you just make decisions? Do you make decisions wanting to know, God, is this part of your purpose for me? Or do you just make decisions? Or do we ask God, but then find a way to ignore him? We listen to the people that we want to listen to. Or actually, are we genuinely saying, God, I want to operate from faith. You know, friends, to live in this country, we need faith, love, and hope. You know the opposite of that? Fear, hate, and despair. All three of those exist in this nation. But the gospel shifts that, changes the operating system to faith, love, and hope. You see, friends, our hope, it's not because we're an optimistic person. Yeah, but Stan, you know what? You're quite an optimistic guy. Just so you know, I'm not. I've got a gift of negativity. (laughs) My wife's got a gift of positivity. You see, this hope has got nothing to do with temperament, personality. It's got to do with theology. It's got to do with God is coming and God is good. Because the kingdom has come and God is good. And so we wait in anticipation. Faith, love, and hope. This model church, this model church had those three things. That's what it was modeling. And it says you are model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Not to the unbelievers, to the believers. It says you are, you are a model to all the believers. Your faith, your love, and your hope. Believers need people to encourage them in their faith, their love, and their hope. That's why we have moments together on a Sunday where we encourage each other in worship. That's why we have small groups. We get together and we encourage each other in our faith, love, and our hope. That's why we have to get together in prayer meetings and we cry out to God in hope. and We extend our faith in prayer. And, and, and half of those prayer meetings have got nothing to do with us because we're praying in love for the city and for those around us. It's part of the exercise of our prayer, of our faith, love, and hope our hope. How's your operating system working? You see, their faith was known, part of their faith was they turned from idols to the the living God to serve him and then wait for his return. This is in verse 10. You know what what robs us of faith, friends? 
is putting our faith in the wrong thing. He says these guys turn from putting their faith in idols to putting their faith in God. And that shift, what we do is we, we, we come into the kingdom with faith in God. But slowly but surely, the winds and the waves of life and the beatings of life and the, whatever happens to us, slowly but surely, knock us and bruise us and disappoint us. And before you know it, idols have become God again. The ones we gave up before, instead of Jesus, the one we put our hope in. Where's your faith this morning? Where's your hope this morning? Remember, idols are not little statues that the pagans worship. Idol is anything apart from God that we depend on to be happy, fulfilled, or secure. Anything that we depend on to be happy, fulfilled, and secure is an idol. We're starting to submit to something that is not God. Anything other than God that motivates us, that masters and rules us, anything other than God that we trust, fear, or serve is an idol, including your bicycle or your surfboard or your golf clubs or your school blazer or your hobby. It can, become, can be good things that you've actually let take you away from the call of God over your life. Anything we love and pursue more than God becomes an idol. How's your operating system this morning? I feel like God wants to purge our operating systems this morning back into faith, love, and hope. Faith in Jesus Christ. The love of God. John says we love because God first loved us. We can love with agape love because God puts that love into our hearts so that we can love. If you can't love, it means we're not receiving love from him. If you've lost hope, if you've lost hope, you've lost hope in God. You've lost hope in God for your business. You've lost hope in God for your children. You've lost hope in God for your marriage. You've, looked, you've lost hope in God for whatever it is. Friends, we are, we are dialing out of the operating system of the gospel and giving way to the world and the flesh. I wanna say to you this morning, I wanna say to you this morning, we gotta find faith again. We gotta find faith again. We've got to live by faith. It's not good enough to just be faithful. You live by faithfulness. I believe, uh, prophetic word after prophetic word, the faithful phipses. I'm thinking, oh, faithful phipses. Faithful people just able to keep your head steady, consistent. Beautiful, beautiful gift to the church, faithfulness. Beautiful gift to people, faithfulness. But it's not just about being faithful. Full. It's about being full of faith. Are we living from faith? Or we let God fall to the side and we begin to replace that with something else. Can we stand this morning? I'd love to just pray for us as we end.
Father, we can see this in your word. We can preach this from your word. But unless, Holy Spirit, you come and with power and with deep conviction, come and do something in our hearts with it, Lord. It just, make, it just remains a word out there, Lord, instead of a word in our heart, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, whatever has been stirred within us, that has been provoked within us, Pray, Lord God, that you would, you would stir us with faith, love, and hope. That we would be able to stir a region with faith, love, and hope. You can't have hope without faith. You can't love without faith. Father, we need faith in our hearts, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would you would settle upon us. Those that are grieving, think of the McDonald family and think of the Shaw family. Pray, Lord God, that you would stir them with faith, love, and hope this time in the midst of their grief. But for others, Lord God, that are just walking through life, Lord God, and in the waves of life and in the, just the moments of life and the difficulties of life and and some maybe even in the quiet places of life. Maybe there's an ease right now. Father, we want faith. We still want to live by faith, love, and hope, Lord. I pray the preaching of your word would stir within us this thing of faith, Lord. Faith, Lord God. Hope, Lord God. Hope for a future in you, Lord God. Give us an eternal perspective, Lord. When we think of corruption and we think of this nation and we think of, Father, oh, let us see it through the eyes of eternity, Lord. What is that going to mean in eternity? Help us to love deeply, Lord God. Help us to love, labor in love, Lord. Help us to not give up, Lord, in love even when we've been hurt, even when we've been disappointed, even when we've been wronged. Stir our faith again, Lord. In your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.